Thanks be to God. Advent is supposed to be this time of waiting, waiting for the birth of Jesus again into our lives. And the kids and Elaine will tell you that I am really bad at waiting, really bad at it. I am bad at waiting in a doctor's office. I am bad at waiting for Christmas Day to come. I am the kid that would sneak a knife under the little bits of tape to see if I could pull things back and see what the gifts would be. (laughs) I am really bad at waiting. And when I saw this picture, I thought of the last medical office I was in and thought of all of the waiting that needs to happen. There are times, particularly for me, that waiting can lead to weariness. My weariness these days is a little different than it has been in the past. See, it's not that I don't have a good job. I do. I like you people. It's not that I'm not adequately compensated. I am. It's not that I don't benefit from the blessing of having to have been born in this part of the world over another. But yet, yet there are days where the waiting just seems so weary. Why? Why, when there is so much good in the world, when there are so many blessings that I know that I give thanks for every day in my prayers, why? Why does this weariness sink in? Well, often the weariness for me comes from seeing scenes like this. This is a picture from Bloomberg News of riots that happened in Paris just this week. Over 270 people arrested. 75% of the country supports the protests that are going on. That's remarkable. It wearies me to know that there is this amount of anger and violence in the world when our God came into the world to bring hope and joy and peace and love. It wearies me to hear that in order to try and and make this crowd disperse, the French police had to use tear gas on them. 
Tear gas was actually prohibited in um, acts of combat by the Geneva Convention, but yet they can be used on France's own citizens. And speaking of tear gas, this image from this week from CTV News. That's an image of the tear gas that was fired over the border from the United States into Mexico. And those who were in the caravan running from it. And if you think you just want to blame President Trump for that, don't. It happened regularly under Obama's watch as well. I get weary when I see scenes like this. I get weary wondering what our world is coming to. On Thursday, December the 6th, December the 6th is supposed to be the day in the life of the church when we celebrate St. Nicholas. The Bishop of Myrna who went and gave gold coins to three girls so that they didn't need to be sold in marriage. But yet, December the 6th is this day for us. This day from L'Ecole Polytechnique, where we remember the 14 women who were murdered just because of their gender. This year, December the 6th, as I said, happens to fall on a Thursday. And our national bishop has been working on promoting this campaign from the World Council of Churches. Every Thursday, Bishop Susan tweets out this image to remind us to wear black. I wear black most days, so it's not a stretch for me on Thursdays. But to remind us to work to make the world a better place where gender-based violence is no more. In all of the violence and destruction of the world, I get weary. I just get weary. And that's why these words from Habakkuk seem to cut to the core. Oh Lord, how long shall I cry for help? And you will not listen. Or cry to you violence, and you will not save. Why do you make me see wrongdoing and look at trouble? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law becomes slack and justice never prevails. The wicked surround the righteous. Therefore judgment comes forth perverted. Habakkuk is one of those books that we almost never read from, but it is full of political commentary. At the time that the Nazi regime was ruling in Germany, one of the newspapers got shut down 
because they were prepared to print a section of this book. This book is dangerous. In this reading, though, that we have today, we jump around a little bit, and God does answer Habakkuk's questions of weariness. In the second part, we hear this. For there is still a vision for the appointed time, and it speaks of the end and does not lie. If it seems to tarry, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. What struck me so much about this was that it doesn't dismiss the weariness, the lamentation, the longing for better that's in the first part of the reading. But it goes on to say this. If the vision for a better world seems to tarry, wait for it. Now we're back to that waiting that I don't like to do. We're back to waiting to hear. The vision that we have for the world is one that is the kingdom of God. Not Christendom. The vision that we have for the world is not what we had when churches were full and coffers were overflowing. The vision that we have for the world is that the kingdom of God will be here. Jesus talks about that kingdom in Matthew 13. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which someone found and hid. And then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has to buy that field. And again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. On finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold that he had and bought it. There's nothing in either of those descriptions about the kingdom of heaven, meaning that we're overflowing with people. There is something in both of those descriptions, though, about extravagance. There's something about joy. There's something about fully committing. I can't imagine selling everything I own to go and buy one thing. I mean, granted, commercials on TV are tempting some days. But to sell everything to buy one. Oh, the extravagance. Oh, the joy. Oh, the treasure that that must be to fully commit to that one thing. Well, if that one thing is the kingdom of heaven, well, well, maybe. Maybe. So, if we do end up needing to wait for the kingdom to come, it might just be worth it. While we may not want to wait, our belief in God's faithfulness should at least take the edge off of the weariness. And as, as I've said, I hate to wait, and it's hard at times to trust that God will usher in that kingdom. But our final section from Habakkuk today talks about trust and joy 
in the midst of trouble. That's actually the title that the translators of the NRSV gave to that section, Trust and Joy in the Midst of Trouble. Our reading today talks about a fig tree that doesn't blossom. <coughs> Excuse me. And Jesus talked about one too. This from Luke. Then Jesus told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. And he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, See here, for three years I have been coming looking for fruit on this fig tree, and I still find Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? The gardener replied, Sir, let alone for one more year until I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. It's the same theme as before from Habakkuk, of waiting, of waiting for what is to come. Because see, this is the season that we're waiting for. We're waiting for the birth of Jesus again in our hearts. We may be waiting in lines and parking lots and all sorts of other places as well to try and celebrate this Christmas miracle that is about to come. Our God is about to do something miraculous. Wait for it. Trust me, it'll be worth it. And if we can shed some of the wear that we've grown over the years and find the kingdom of heaven like a young child does on Christmas morning, with the same joy and delight and awe and wonder. Well, maybe then, maybe then we too will enter the kingdom. For it is like a child that we will finally be able to enter in. Then, then we will know the joy and great value, that great treasure that is found in the field. We will know God's love for our lives. And for that, we give thanks. Amen.